0: Well it looks like spring has definitely sprung, the lambs are in the
1: fields, so I went to meet some, along with their shepherd. We lambed some in February, they went fairly well, Um, the weather wasn't too bad, we were managing to get them out fairly quickly.
0: And did you take part in the big farmland bird count?
2: The results are in. This year was indeed a record year, we've had over two and a half thousand
1: people participating. The Week in Agriculture,
3: this is the
1: Farming Programme with Steve Orchard.
0: Hello, hope you've had a good week in the chilly sunshine. We could do with some of the wet stuff now, though, couldn't we? This week's forecast coming at the end of the programme after agronomy with Sean Sparling and a check on the markets with Openfield's Kit Dickinson. In the news, today's the last day to apply for Seven Trent's Environmental Protection Scheme funding to help improve on-farm biodiversity. If you're in one of their priority catchment areas, you can get details at stwater.co.uk. Milk production is heading for the highest seven-day average in the last decade, some 1.2% above the AHDB's forecast. But the news is not so good for food exporters to the EU, where, despite a recovery in January, exports are down 29% since leaving the EU. Some of this will be due to the pandemic, but NPA Senior Policy Advisor Charlie Dewhurst said there's still plenty more to be done to tackle the systemic problems. And the Blue Peter programme has removed an anti-meat message aimed at children, following a farmer's backlash. The show had encouraged children to show their environmentally friendly commitment and earn their green badge by turning off lights, using less plastic and not eating meat. They've now changed that last requirement, saying that children should choose a couple of vegetarian meal options as part of a balanced diet. Marks & Spencer's has started a new five-year Farming with Nature collaborative programme to support its select farmers in becoming more resilient to the biggest environmental challenges they face, such as climate change, biodiversity, soil health and water usage. As part of this, and to support the British bee population, M&S is introducing 30 million bees to 28 UK sites this summer. And We know that bees are vital to the ecology of the countryside, so it's great to see one of our major food retailers supporting farmers and helping to protect the future of these critically important pollinators. Now, if you own or manage one of the sites involved, do get in touch. I'd love to hear your story. Email farming at linksfm.co.uk. Now we're well into lambing season so last week making the most of the beautiful if chilly spring sunshine I managed to get out of the studio for the first time in a while and socially distanced to met up with Chris Elkington of Gelston Lamb for an update on this year's lambing. They run 450 breeding ewes at Gelston near Grantham and during the pandemic they've gone from breeding sheep with a small farm shop to breeding sheep and selling through a thriving website. Morning Chris. Good morning. It's one of those sights at this time of year that kind of gladdens the heart a little bit because we're seeing the lambs running around in the fields. Spring's definitely here. It
1: makes you feel a bit better, really, doesn't it? But how's the lambing season gone for you so far? It's gone quite well. We lambed some in February. They went fairly well. The weather wasn't too bad. We were managing to get them out fairly quickly. Um, We're now on to our April lambing flock. Uh, Lamb them all outside. Could just do with a bit warmer weather, and dare I say it, a little bit of rain wouldn't go amiss. But yeah, they're going okay, you know, lambs are pretty tough really, as long as they've got a full tummy and um, they're away really. And at what point are we moving the lambs on? Uh, indoor lot will be around about six weeks age now we've just sort of mobbed them all up together and they'll we'll start rotational grazing them they'll go around sort of on three-day moves until you know they get so they're weaned at about 12 to 14 weeks old
0: at what age are they off the farm
1: well we start drawing lamb from sort of probably three to four months of age and then we 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 keep them all sort of year round so we've probably got sort of some sheep that are um, well lambs that we're still using for butchery purposes that are over a year old why are these ones in the barn where we are so these are what we call cayed lambs and um, they're lambs that either the mums can't rear two lambs or the mums rejected them or the mums died or something like that so yeah, they're, they're called cade lambs and they're, they're in a pen and, and we, we feed them artificial milk and uh, then onto pellets and, and we'll rear them like that. Obviously you're not shearing yet. About a year ago we were talking about the
0: prices of fleeces. that have fallen through the floor really, haven't they, last last year. Any indications when we get to that point what fleeces and, and the price of wool and so on is going to be like this year?
1: I think again, I think it'll be the same as last time I would have thought. I've not heard anything any different. Um, I think it'll still be worth next to nothing
0: so what did you
1: do with the fleeces last year we sort of gave them away really but um yeah no they did come and pick them up and they'll they'll sell them later in the year
0: and you moved on because co- of covid and so on to an online business how's that been going over the last year
1: it's gone really really well we were sort of all catering at, at, at shows and things like that um, obviously that's all stops uh, with Covid so then we had to think on our feet we just put the butchery on in the September before Covid on the farm so thankfully we did that um, we thought right we better get selling it as fresh meat and doing a local delivery around and um, it's gone from strength to strength the uptake's been incredible and, and people's support has been brilliant and we've been flat out ever since really with a, with a weekly delivery around uh, you know with sort of Grantham, Newark, Lincoln we, we go all over really and the support's been brilliant.
0: Obviously we're likely to see far fewer shows this year Lincolnshire's gone, Newark's gone Will he still be out and about if if the shows can go ahead later in the year?
1: Yeah, we've got two booked in already um, Sort of later on in July Uh, I think Heckington's going ahead, which is one of them And then uh, uh, Rutland uh, are doing one as well Yeah, we will be out doing them uh, if we can and fingers crossed it, it does happen later in the year.
0: All right, Chris, Chris Elkinson from uh, Gelston Lamb. Thanks for joining us on the programme again. Brilliant. Thanks, Steve. As Chris was saying, he's managed with his wife Louise to build a successful online business supplying lamb. And if you want to see their story, visit gelstonlamb.co.uk. Sean Sparling joins us now with some timely agronomy advice. Good morning. Lovely to see the lambs in the fields, eh, Sean?
4: Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. I was a trainee shepherd when I left school, you know. I had three very, very happy years, very happy memories at KG Godson and Sons near Sleaford. I can well remember sheep having triplets in the paddock way down two, three hundred yards below the yard. You walked outside and it was so cold, the wind just slapped you across the face. And then you walked the new mum up the paddock that three hundred yards or so in the freezing cold back up to the lambing sheds, carrying three lambs in two hands with mum close behind only to get into the warm and see that ewe turn round and go all the way back down to the bottom where we just come from. Two or three trips it took to get them up to the yard sometimes, and uh, it happened nearly every time. Biceps like bowling balls when you've done that, 15 times a day for 15 sheep, and it takes three attempts each time to get them up. In the end, we built a little sledge. We put the lambs in the sledge, pulled it up with a piece of rope, and the ewe stuck her nose in and, and followed it up. But she still went <laughs> scooting off back a few times but it wasn't quite so tiring if you weren't carrying them. So very, very happy days with Michael Godson and the family 40 years ago now. It was all in black and white as well then, the world. Anyway, look, what a week. Minus five and below several times. Snow on Sunday night, but... As yet i 've only taken one point one millimeters of rain in April, and it 's as dry as it gets just before it comes wet, so those April showers are really starting to become overdue now these seed beds and soil out in the field are very, very dry. The frosts have absolutely hammered some of the oil seed rape crops over the last week or ten days, and they've left other crops seemingly untouched there's no rhyme or reason for it really, but only time will tell just how bad it 's got them whether they look bad or not the seed rate really hasn't moved much at all over the last seven days but it does seem to be setting some pods as the petals start to fall where the flowers are dropping the light leaf spot as well that hasn't moved at all in the last seven days so if that fungicide has still to go on it'll be absolutely fine and i think it's fair to say that anything other than drilling or top dressing with solid fertilizer will have had the potential this last seven days to scorch these crops really very very badly last week so liquid fertilizer in particular applied to a frosted crop or crops that's been blown and buffeted or is lush or crops that are just generally under stress from nutrient nitrogen deficiency etc because of the dry you know they're going to remind anybody who's been out and done it just how good Gramoxone was back in the day just pray that you haven't taken off leaf 4 or more importantly that you haven't taken off leaf 3 if you have gone out there and put liquid nitrogen fertiliser on you know we as agronomists try our hardest all through the season to keep crops. The green leaf area, we try and cre- keep that green and it's so destroying and very frustrating in equal measures when we lose leaves to fertiliser scourts. And to be fair, in such frosty conditions as we've had this week, I've had minus five, minus five, minus three, minus four, minus three at home. Very windy, very dry days, very low humidity. Early week it was very dry, warmer days as we pushed into midweek, a little bit damper, but with a 16 or 17 or even 18 degree ambient temperature range, you know, anything... Whether liquid nitrogen applied through dribble bars or nozzles will have scorched, as sure as eggs is eggs. Also, where T0s and T1s have gone on to crops in these conditions, it's debatable whether the crop will use those fungicides, those growth regulators, etc., efficiently and to the maximum. Soil temperatures have held up around six to six and a half at four inches or so, around sort of eight to ten centimetres, but it's fair to say that. The weather has just been all over the place, as have soil temperatures. So staying out of emerging sugar beet with everything herbicidal will have been the best idea this week. Spraying any herbicides with their various contains surfactants, wetters, stickers, extenders, adjuvants etc onto cotyledon and emerging sugar beet in conditions with frost and I mean proper minus three and below frost it really was a bad idea if you've done that and leaving those crops well alone until things calm down and warm up this coming week shouldn't have taken much working out it's always frustrating for me and for growers alike I think watching skylarks and linnets and hares and rabbits munching away at these cotyledon crops of sugar beet um, and the beet in soil so cold and dry that they just won't grow away from that damage. But there's nothing we can do. We just have to regroup and reassess as things warm up, as it hopefully will over the coming seven to ten days. At least the dry, cold conditions and the dry, cold soils mean that the weeds are no real issue out there yet in the sugar beet fields. So there's no need to go rushing in. Polygonum weeds are, like it a bit warmer than it's been this last week, so no rush out there. So no pressure on beet. IDV either needing control. Grain aphids, rose grain aphid, bird cherry oat aphids, they perish in temperatures below minus five, minus six degrees. So with the combined winter we've had and the weather that we've just had over the last ten days or so, that risk is very, very low. Therefore, staying out of spring barley, spring wheat, spring oats over this last seven days will have been a good move too. No point spraying anything for the sake of doing it, particularly trace elements when the crop can't take it in because it's too cold for them to assimilate it and particularly when it comes to things like insecticides potatoes going in in these very dry conditions, dry seedbed going in really nicely and it's warm enough for coil sprout not to be an issue putting it into very cold soils below or close to freezing will give you that phenomenon of coil sprout, it's not that cold in the soil and because of the dry conditions there's going to be a little bit of leeway for things like herbicides, pre-emergent herbicides but just don't assume anything, do your digs and plan your strategy with it comes to pre m herbicides accordingly peas and beans very very slow growth this last week pea and bean weevil has been quite active until 10 days ago when these cold conditions hit but it will definitely revitalize and reconcentrate its efforts once things do warm up so t1 looms um, on forward winter beat winter wheat winter barley just because some of these crops look backward by the way it doesn't mean they are cut them open, get out there and cut them open and have a look. That ear is moving much faster than some of these fields suggest. And variety-wise, you can certainly pick out the x because the frost has really hammered it. So, a nothing week goes by. Looking at the forecast, it's going to be a much warmer week, but similarly dry. Um, time to wash the windows or get the barbecue out. I think that usually makes it rain. And just remember, there's no such thing as bad weather, just different types of good weather. And with everyone complaining about the weather... I just can't work out why nobody's done anything about it yet. So let's see what the next seven days bring.
0: Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling back same time next week. If you took part in the big farmland bird count back in February, you're in good company with a big increase in the number of farmers taking part. Dr Roger Draycott from the Game and Wildlife Trust is the organiser of the count. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, Steve. Why the big increase?
2: Well, this year was indeed a record year. We had... Over 2,500 people participating this year, which is 65% more than last year. This count is as much about um, getting as many people participating in the count as it is about um, the results, actually, because it's all about raising awareness um, amongst the farming and wider community about the fight of farm and birds, but also highlighting some of the you know, positive conservation aspects and work that many farmers are undertaking. Why
0: do you actually do the bird count? What What does it tell you?
2: So we launched the count in 2014, and that was really to try and highlight and give a bit of encouragement to the many farmers who are doing some positive work to support farmland birds and wildlife on their farms because at that time in 2014 there was a lot of news stories about the plight of farmland birds and how poorly they were doing and how it was agriculture that was responsible for all these declines and yes agriculture has indeed played an important role in the fate of farmland birds over generations but actually in the last 15 to 20 years a tremendous amount of habitat has been reinstated on farmland and so we wanted to you know, highlight and give a bit of encouragement to the farmers that were doing good work and you know, try and encourage more to do so.
0: If we go right back over the eight years, are we seeing a change uh, or trends in bird numbers? I
2: think what we're seeing is a similar number of species each year. Some of the third are in most serious decline. Certainly, I think we're seeing a stabilisation in numbers. So a lot of the birds of conservation concern that depend on farmland like grey partridges, yellow hammers, corn buntings, lapwings. These birds seem to be regularly seen on um, farms in Lincolnshire.
0: And are these birds that are on your red list? They
2: are. So a red-listed bird is essentially a bird that's had a significant decline over the last 25 years or so. So those birds, really, they depend on farmland. You don't really see them in other types of habitats. So if we can help to support them on farmland, then we can help to stem that decline. But also, we will then start to see an increase in a lot of the more you know, common birds as well that are often seen on farmland, like blackbirds
0: and lincolnshire's done rather well in all this hasn't it
2: it has so lincolnshire was number two in the league table in terms of numbers of farmers that were participating 53 percent more farmers doing the count this year in lincolnshire compared to the past years which is is great news i think it's worth making the point that as we go forward and farmers will be paid for delivering public goods in the future it's really important they start to build up the record of the biodiversity that they've got on their farms to demonstrate to the why the public the, the support that they're receiving is actually leading to uh, increases in biodiversity yeah good point
0: uh, dr roger draycott game and wildlife conservation trust and organizer of the big farmland bird count many thanks for joining us this morning thank you steve let's talk now to lincolnshire farmer andrew ward who was one of the many who took part in the count andrew what does the count entail
3: you go out for about an hour in the morning and morning's the best time and you just count what you can see in a given area. You don't drive around the whole farm because you'll be seeing some birds probably three or four times.
0: And how long do you do that for? You're saying an hour in the morning over how many days or weeks or whatever? One. It's just one occasion? Yes, one occasion. So how's your bird knowledge then? Well,
3: that is a really crucial thing and I am not good at identifying a chaffinch or at a distance and so what I do I get my neighbour um, who is is absolutely red hot on on songbirds and wildlife and he'll come out and spend the time with me and going around and point them out and he helps me do it okay now this is the eighth time that this big bird count has taken place but what kind of differences have you noticed we're stood at the minute on, a, on an 8 metre wildflower margin. This margin has been down since 2005. So we have seen a lot of birds and a lot of wildlife about for a number of years. But I will say that we are seeing an increase gradually. But if I was to look at the bird count now,
0: we will be seeing a huge difference. You're actually helping... The bird population with what you do on the farm aren't you
3: we are we're, we're part of um, a stewardship scheme the mid-tier stewardship scheme of which we get paid just under 650 pounds a hectare we have winter bird food plots uh, dotted around and we have these these wildflower margins and we also supplementary feed and the bucket we're stood next to here has got six holes and perches on it that the songbirds will dip their heads in and quite happily feed all winter. So it's not a cheap operation, but you get a lot of satisfaction from it.
0: I was going to say, this must come at a cost. I mean, Just for the feed alone, roughly over the course of a year, what would that be costing you?
3: Well, we buy uh, the mixture of sunflower seeds, sunflower hearts, millet and mustard as, as a mix. And then we add oilseed rape and wheat to it to make a tonne. And we'll use probably a three tonnes, three and a half tonnes over the year. So in the course of the year, it's probably in the region of between £1,500 and £2,000 in, in feed alone.
0: Andrew, Roger was pointing an historic finger at farmers for the decline in bird population. What's your response to that?
3: Yes, over the years maybe when we cropped right up to the hedge that wasn't doing things a favour. So we are trying to reverse that now. But I think it's also worth noting that raptures, so such as kestrels and such as buzzards and kites there's a lot more of those about at the moment and they are also contributing towards the decline in some of these species but we are trying to do our best to reverse the damage that's been done over the years it's
0: great to see so many taking part in the count and so much work being done on farm as part of farmers long-term commitment to conservation thanks to Andrew and Dr Roger Draycott from the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust Let's see how the markets have been performing this week
5: now. Here's Open Fields, Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. Three main points this week to cover on the wheat market. Weather concerns, which support prices. China buying wheat again. And the Russian-Ukrainian tensions that are still rising. Dry, cold conditions in the midwest have meant a slow start to maize plantings whilst drought conditions in western states continue to worsen. Canada is dry as part of the north and western Europe which has experienced some unseasonably cold weather, particularly in France. The drought situation in Brazil is not improving and the major growing regions which are now lowering their production potential whilst the recent Argentine maize crop forecasts have also been lowered. Russian new crop production potential has been raised due to analysts seeing the good rains in the south, although reports of a frost heave in central regions may partly offset that. Most crop failures in the Black Sea region are caused by the drought in the May-July to timeline, so plenty of time for things still to go wrong there. Tensions appear to be rising between Russia and the Ukraine with reports of a large troop movement and manoeuvres along the border, which needs monitoring, as a cocktail of export taxes and logistical issues in the Black Sea could be explosive. There have been reports of China buying new crop wheat, evidence of which came in last week's US Weekly Report export sales data. There are also rumours that they have bought French wheat which could explain the recent price strength on their new crop values. With maize prices above milling wheat and on the global market this is a distinct possibility and particularly with global maize situation already tight this could get potentially even tighter is the maize market which will determine the future direction of our wheat market. So important to keep an eye on that. Moving on to barley. English barley planting is pretty much complete now with only 20% left north of the border. Scandinavia is also making good progress and expected to be around 65% complete. Weather remains meant to focus in the short term with the recent snowfall translating to very little actual usable moisture. short term forecast remains dry with some rain talked about in the next five days. Old crop markets continue to see some odd volumes trade, primarily as those executing contracts backfill the odd issue that they have come up against. New crop markets have seen a little more trade this week as new crops now start to come through in row. However, there are some areas that are looking for a precipitation to help push freshly drilled crops on. With the Crop20 campaign drawing to a close and old crop trade limited, if there is the odd heap left on farm, now is the time to sample it and look at marketing. So please speak to your open field farm business manager to discuss. Oilseed rate, looking slightly closer to home this week, the recent cold slap seen across much of Europe and the UK has prompted the French Ministry to suggest a possible fifty to 60,000 hectare of crop which may have been lost in addition to the reduction numbers that were released last week, which is severe enough to prompt the French government to talk to aides that have affected other commodities. Domestic values have also seen two major crushes step back in the market, suggesting that they have cover in place. However we will have to see what the requirements are from the smaller crushes and feed homes, as before limited physical availability has maintained cash markets. So looking to prices this week, feed wheat for April is 194 to 196, for May 195 to 197, taking a step back to 165 and 167 for August, and November 168 to 171. Million wheat premiums are currently eighteen to twenty pounds for new crop, and a limited option left now for old crop. Feed barley for April one hundred and fifty six to one hundred and fifty eight, May one hundred and fifty eight to one hundred and sixty, August one hundred and thirty eight to one hundred and forty. Moving forward to November at one hundred and forty eight to one hundred and fifty pounds. Malting premiums are currently twenty pounds for a one eight five on old crop. Oilseed rape for April is four hundred and twenty to four hundred and twenty three. May 423 to 425, stepping back to August off the combine at 385 to 387, and November 395 to 397.
0: Thank you, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, a little bit of rain in midweek, but otherwise another chilly, bright and mostly dry week. Calm and dry under mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 12 Celsius later. A gentle southeasterly breeze tomorrow, some sunshine to start, light rain later, highs of 12 again. Tuesday and Wednesday bring some rain on both days, a gentle southwesterly on Tuesday, picking up and turning northerly on Wednesday with wind speeds in the upper teens MPH. Cold overnight Wednesday and Thursday with lows down to freezing point again. Mostly dry and bright with light winds for the end of the week, daytime highs staying around 10 or 11 degrees. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Steve Orchard, and if you're thinking of taking part in Open Farm Sunday, we'll speak to the organisers on the farming programme next Sunday.